Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now so that we would never forget your word because we know that by your word our lives have been preserved. And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to preserve our lives as we remember your word and seek to live according to it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our study in the book of Jude, uh, this small letter in the New Testament. And so we've looked at a number of uh, verses already. We're up to verse 5 today, but we've seen uh, who was this person called Jude. He was the brother of James and therefore also the half-brother of the Lord Jesus himself. He was the son of Mary and Joseph. Uh, we also looked at who were Jude's readers, and we understood that they were Christians. We saw that in verse uh, 1, that it was to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. He was writing to some people that he knew uh, who were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've also looked at his purpose in writing the letter. Why was he writing the letter? And we saw that it was to warn against those who would justify sin within the church and particularly sexual sin. And that's what we looked at uh, last week. Uh, verse 3 and 4, we saw, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. He wants them to contend for the faith. Why? Because there's people who are against the faith. And that is revealed in verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. And that's what we looked at last week, is how these people have come into the church and they are encouraging people to consider that because we're saved by grace and not by works, therefore we can do whatever we like. That we can just presume that because we have faith in Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter what we do if we're saved by grace. And so that's what we looked at last week. And now Jude wants to make his case abundantly clear by giving some examples of situations that have occurred in the past where people have known of God but have not truly believed and have instead lived godless lives. And that's going to be in verses 5 through to verse 7. And so this morning we're going to look at particularly uh, one example that is given to us in verse 5. What is the example that Jude wants to warn us with today to hold up before us? Well, it's the Exodus. We see that in verse 5. It says, Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. What is the Exodus? Well, it's when God brought his people out of slavery to the Egyptians. You can read about it in the book of Exodus, where the Israelites were all enslaved by the Egyptians, but God, through a series of plagues, great miracles that were done, the Egyptians let them go, and then when they decided to take them back, take the Israelites back, God parted the Red Sea and brought his people safely through. And so they were able to leave Egypt and head towards the promised land. But what was the problem of many of the Israelites? If you read the book of Numbers, well, you read the book of Exodus as well, but Numbers, which comes after it, uh, what do you see? Well, we see that many of the Israelites did not actually believe in God. They did not trust in God. Even though God had brought about a great salvation, they did not trust in God. How do we know this? Well, the Israelites showed their unbelief by the way that they lived, and they showed it in many ways. Uh, one of the great examples which we had read for us before is the way that they fashioned a golden calf and started to sacrifice to it and worship it, and then engage in pagan revelry that day. It was a terrible day of unbelief being shown by their worshipping of an idol. 
but they showed it in other ways as well. We see that they engaged in sexual immorality in the passage in Numbers chapter 25 with pagan worship and with the Moabite women. Uh, we read in Numbers chapter 25, verse 1, it says, While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices of their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshipping the, ba the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. They worshipped the golden calf, but they also worshipped the Moabite gods and engaged in sexual immorality with the Moabite women. How else do we see the Israelites... Well, unbelievers in the desert, many of them were unbelievers. Well, it's the way that they continued to grumble against God. Grumbled against him because of the lack of food, the lack of water in the desert. And so they showed that they did not trust in God to provide for their needs. And of course, the great example in the Exodus and uh, up to the, the point of them entering into the promised land is the way that they rebelled and would not enter the promised land, that they showed that they did not believe that God could take them into the promised land and they rebelled at its edge. We read that in Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, how God reacts to them not entering into the promised land as the spies come back and say, it's a terrible land in terms of uh, the, the people that are there. They're dangerous. We cannot go to against, against them. They're too strong. We read in Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. We see that the Lord had done great works for the people again and again. He'd wrought salvation for them. He'd brought them out in the marvelous exodus. He'd provided for them in the desert. But again and again, the people showed that they did not believe in him. They did not trust in him. And we see it by the pagan worship of the idols that they make, the the Moabites as well, and by their grumbling and complaining and by the refusal to go into the promised land. It says, how long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I've performed among them? And so what was the result of all their unbelief in the desert? Well, they didn't enter the promised land. Instead, they died in the desert. They died in the desert. So what is the warning that Jude is trying to make for us this morning? And for the people who read this letter so many years ago, well, it's that people have experienced God's salvation but didn't believe. That there are people who experience God's salvation and don't believe. And why is that bad? Well, then those people don't enter into the promised land but die in the desert. They die in the desert. But is Exodus really a warning to us today and to Jude's readers so long ago? Yes. Hasn't God given us many exoduses as well? Hasn't he given us many times of deliverance and salvation? Isn't the fact that we're alive today, that you're sitting here and breathing, a wonderful demonstration of God's grace to you? Hasn't God delivered you repeatedly so that you're here right now from many dangers that have come across your life? We could have all died in infancy. We could have all died as children or died as an adult before this day, if you are an adult already. But what has God done? He saved us from starvation, saved us from different illnesses that could have come and put an end to our life. He saved us from trauma, from accidents, and from those who would attack us and harm us so that we are able to sit here today. We experience, we experience many exoduses every day. 
where we're brought out of deliverance and often we don't even know it. But sometimes we do. We see something that was going to harm us terribly. We may get terribly ill or there may be some violent trauma that's coming in some sort of vehicle towards us. But then we see that God protects us and looks after us and restores our health or protects us from that which would harm us. But how else has God shown us a great exodus, shown us a great salvation? Well, he's shown us an even greater exodus than anyone has ever seen before, than was under the time of Moses. And even in our days, as we see our salvation that God brings about in our life so that we're saved from illness or saved from some sort of trauma, what is this great exodus that God has shown us? Well, it's the exodus from the grave in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting how Jesus describes his death and his resurrection at the time of his transfiguration. Remember the Lord Jesus, he goes up onto a mountain and he meets there with Moses and Elijah. And we read in Luke chapter 9, verse 30, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, that translation of that word in the NIV is departure. But literally in the Greek, it's exodus. The, word, the Greek word exodus, which of course we have uh, for the title of the book of Exodus in our Bibles. Jesus understood that what was going to happen with his death and then his resurrection was an exodus, a great deliverance. And it is a great deliverance. To be raised to life from the grave is an incredible exodus, an incredible deliverance. But what do we see happen? As many people hear about the exodus that has happened in Jesus Christ, well, they don't believe. Even as they experience many exoduses in their own life, salvation that God brings about to preserve their life yet another day, they don't believe. Like Israel, what do we see? We see that they show it by their unbelief. How do they show it? By their idolatry, sexual immorality, by grumbling against God, just like the Israelites did. The Israelites showed it. They showed that they did not believe in God by their idolatry, the worship of other things rather than God, the sexual immorality that they fell into so easily, and by their continual grumbling against the God who has shown them such kindness. And it's the same today as well. People again and again, they, they hear about God's deliverance, his salvation. They see God's kindness to them each day, yet they don't believe. They don't trust in God. Instead, they fall into idolatry. They fall into sexual immorality and grumbling against God. And what's the result? Well, like Israel, they won't enter the promised land. They won't enter heaven with Joshua. It's interesting how Joshua is the one who gets to go into the promised land in the Old Testament. He gets brought through the Exodus. He gets to go into the promised land. And then we look into the New Testament. And what do we see? Who's already gone to the promised land? It's Jesus. And what's Jesus' name in Hebrew? Joshua. There is a Joshua, a new Joshua, who's already entered into the promised land. But those who don't believe don't get to go into the promised land with that Joshua because they see the great salvation, but they don't combine it with faith. They don't combine it with faith. And so what happens? They die in the desert of hell. They die in the desert of hell. Now, is this true? Is this true that the Exodus is a great warning for us today? Jude tells us so, but he's not the only one. 
This point is made again and again in the New Testament, that there is a great exodus, but it needs to be combined with faith. The knowledge of salvation that God gives needs to be combined with faith and then shown by the way that we live. And we see this in the book of Hebrews. Turn with me now to Hebrews chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 3, which may be found on page 1185. Hebrews chapter 3, page 1185. And I'm going to read the whole chapter and part of chapter 4 as well because he makes this point so clearly, the author of Hebrews, that Jude is trying to make as well, how the, the people who died in the desert serve as a great warning to us as people who saw God's salvation but did not believe. Chapter 3, verse 1 of the book of Hebrews. He says, therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. The author is making a point there that we see again and again made in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is far greater than anyone that has come before. He's greater than Moses as the one who is the son of God and is over the house of God. And you can go through the book of Hebrews this afternoon and see how many ways that the author of Hebrews wants to show that Jesus is better than everything else that comes before. But what does, the point of, what does the author of Hebrews want to make? What's the point he wants to make here? Well, he wants to warn us. And what does he say in verse 7? After telling us how great Jesus is, he says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation and I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The author of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 95, which we actually opened the service with this morning and showing how the Israelites tested and tried God by not trusting in him in the desert. And so what did God say in his anger? They will never enter my rest. And then the author of Hebrews goes on to explain after making that quotation Verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 3. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The author of Hebrews is holding these people up as an example. They rebelled against God repeatedly even though they'd been delivered from Egypt. But they rebelled against God, they sinned against him, and so what happened? They died in the desert. 
They did not enter the promised land because of their lack of faith. So what's the point for us? Well, chapter 4, verse 1 continues. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on my oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. And then the rest of the book, uh, rest of that chapter goes on to speak about the rest that we have and the the heavenly reward as a, a great rest that is to come. Here, very clear teaching. Look at the Exodus. Look at the people who did not believe even though they were greatly delivered and see how they failed to enter into the promised land. And he says the promise still stands. There is still a promised land and it is heaven itself. And it still stands and we need to make sure that none of us fall short of it. Verse 1 Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have had the gospel, the good news preached to us as well, just as they did, but the message was of no value to them. Why? Because they did not combine it with faith. And Paul makes a very similar point about the Exodus as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is found on page... 1,134, 1134, page 1,134, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll read from verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, page 1,134, reading from verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and they all all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. See, again, deliverance of God, yet God was not pleased with them, and so they died in the desert. Now, what's the point of Paul bringing this up to the church in Corinth? Well, we read in verse 6. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. Paul is referencing the golden calf incident there. And then in verse 8, we should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. That's referring to the incident with the Moabite women. Verse 9, we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Paul is listing their sins and showing that they serve as examples, as warnings to us. And then we continue reading in verse 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You think you're standing firm, but look at your life, Paul is saying. And if you're behaving like them, 
then heed the warning that is coming from them. And so all of us in this room, we have to ask ourselves if we're going to behave like Israelites. Are we behaving like Israelites? How could we behave like the Israelites of so long ago? Well, God has shown us by his Holy Spirit the physical deliverance that we have experienced, deliverances again and again through our lives. I'm sure all of us can think about times where we've had a near miss in life and God has preserved our lives in his mercy. But, of course, God has also shown us the good news, the great exodus, the physical and spiritual deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ. But how can we be like Israel? Well, where do we stand right now? We stand between an exodus and the promised land. That's what we're in right now. In one sense, this whole world is the desert. And there is a promised land which we can enter into. But at the moment, we're in the desert and we've seen a great exodus. What exodus? The exodus of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have seen it. You've all heard it now, even if you've never heard it before. You're sitting here right now and I'm telling you that 2,000 years ago, a man came back to life. The Son of God was raised from the dead. The deliverance of Jesus happened. An exodus has occurred. And we now stand between that event and heaven itself. And Jude wants to make sure that we enter the promised land, that we enter the promised land and don't die in the desert of hell. The Holy Spirit wants the Exodus to be a warning through Jude, through Paul, through the author of Hebrews, throughout the Old Testament. He wants the Exodus so long ago that the Israelites saw to be a warning that many have seen God's deliverance but died eternally, but died eternally. God wants us to know that many in a church may think, like the Israelites and those in Jude's church, that they're God's people, that they're God's people. But what's the reality? They don't actually believe. They don't believe in God and are not headed to heaven but headed to the desert of hell. And so how can we be like, not be like the Israelites who saw God's power but died in the desert? Well, we need to believe. Believe in what? Well, believe in God. Believe in God's deliverance from sin and hell by the resurrection, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But how can we know that we truly believe? That we're not like these men who secretly slipped into the church that Jude was writing to? How can we believe that... We really, how can we know that we really are believers and have not started to follow such false teachers? Well, we need to look at our lives. Are we content in idolatry? Are we content in sexual immorality? Are we grumblers against God? And we think that it's justified to grumble against God. After all, life is not what it could be. Are we content in such sin? If that is you, you're content in your sexual immorality, you're content in your idolatry, you're content in your grumbling against God, then what do you need to do? You need to wake up and see how God has shown you deliverance after deliverance through your life so that you're here today and see how God has given a great deliverance, the great exodus of the Lord Jesus Christ from the grave and stop being like the Israelites of so many years ago. And stop being like the people in that church that Jude was writing to, who saw God's deliverance 
and didn't believe. Heed the warning of Hebrews that we read before from the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Don't be like them and not combine the message of salvation with faith. Won't you see that hearing is of no value? It doesn't matter how many times you come to church and hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is of no value if you do not combine that message with faith. If you do not believe, heed the warning. What's the warning? That those who don't combine the message with faith go to hell. That's the stark reality that the Bible teaches us, that if you do not combine it with faith, you go to hell. So do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion so many years ago. Repent and believe before it is too late. Trust in God and start to show it by the way that you live, that you shun idolatry and you shun sexual immorality and that you shun grumbling against God, unlike the Israelites did so many years ago. But if we do believe, many of us in this room do, we do believe, we have heard the message and we have combined it with faith and we can see that we have combined it with faith by the way that we do not live contentedly in idolatry and we do not live contentedly in sexual morality and we do not live contentedly in, in grumbling. That yes, as a, a desire for sexual morality comes up, we push back at it. As a desire to grumble against God comes up, we push back at it. As an idolatrous desire for something other than God comes up, we push back at it. As we see that happening in our lives, to demonstrate that we are truly ones who have combined the message of salvation with faith. What should we do? Well, we should keep on thanking God each day for his deliverances, for his exoduses. Thank him for the exodus that he's given us so many times through our days as he continues to preserve us, but also for the great exodus, the exodus that Jesus has already experienced of resurrection from the grave that we too will experience one day because of our faith in him. And what else should we do? We should thank God, but we should. what else should we do? Well, we should keep on hearing about the Saviour, keep hearing about the exodus that has happened, that we see in the New Testament. We should keep on hearing and keep on combining it with faith, seeing our faith grow as we look at what Jesus has done so many years ago. Why do we need to keep on hearing? Why isn't it enough to keep on to hear about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and then move on? Hear about him once and move on. It's because we forget so easily. We forget. I mean, this is why Jude is writing to the church. He says in Jude verse 5, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. He said, you know this. Yes, you know it. You know about the Exodus in the Old Testament. You know what happened to those who did not believe. And you know about the Lord Jesus Christ. He admits as much in verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share. He knows that they have this salvation. But we as humans, we forget all too easily. The Apostle Paul knew this as well. What did he write in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfilment of the ages has come. 
So if you think you are standing, be careful that you don't fall. These were written down for us as warnings. So much of my sermons, I feel, are the same things again and again, just packaged a bit differently. I'm not here so much on a Sunday to teach you anything new, anything that you haven't already heard. I'm here simply to remind you of the things that you have already heard. Because if you're like me, you start to forget. And then what happens? Your faith is weakened. It's as we hear that we believe. And so we need to hear and believe again and again and again so that our faith continues to grow. We need to be reminded again and again that God is the one who saves. And he shows it by his son, Jesus Christ. God is the one who grants us faith. That God is the one who grants us repentance. And that the faith and the repentance that he grants is always accompanied by works. That's what we heard about so clearly last week and we're hearing about it again with Jude tonight and today, that we understand that those who live in sexual sin, those who live in idolatry, those who grumble against God and they're content in it, they're not ones who have combined the message with faith. And we need to be reminded of that because we forget so easily. And the flesh is there, the world is there, Satan is there to tempt us and to think that it's okay. So we as Christians, what do we need to do? We need to thank God for what he's done. But we need to keep reminding ourselves of what, he's, what he has done so that our faith continues to be in him and grow. And then what should we be doing? Well, we should be joyfully looking forward to entering the promised land by faith and joyfully rejoicing in our God because we will never die in the desert of hell. Because just as Christ was raised, just as Christ has experienced the exodus from the grave, we too will experience the exodus from the grave and go to be with him, the true Joshua, in heaven itself. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God who saves. And we thank you for granting faith to many of us so that we fight idolatry, we fight sexual immorality, and we fight grumbling against yourself. Lord, we pray that you would help us by the Holy Spirit not to forget your salvation in Christ Jesus, not to forget that exodus from the grave that happened so many years ago, and that we would not forget the exodus of the Israelites so many years ago, that they would stand as a warning to us continually that we need to keep growing in faith and resisting evil. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is content in their sin and are going to die in the desert of hell, oh Lord, we pray that they would heed your warnings to us now. Heed your warning given by the exodus of the Israelites so many years ago. Heed the warning of the people who are in the church of Jude. Heed the warnings of the author of Hebrews and the Apostle Paul. And so, Lord, we pray that they would come to trust in Christ truly now, that they would commit their lives to him and know the salvation that he brings, the exodus that he will bring to them one day. And, Lord, we pray that they would start to do good as a result of the faith that they have in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray that they would enter the promised land with us one day and meet the Lord Jesus himself. And we pray this in his name. Amen.